everybody. I guess it is. What time is it? It is officially afternoon. It's 12.03. Um, <clears throat> I'm Steve Hamrick. I'm the pastor here at Vintage, and uh, I'm glad to see all of you here this morning. Uh, before, um, let me say this real quick before uh, we launch. As I walked in this morning, I was telling the 9 o'clock service that I, kinda, I had one of those nights last night where I couldn't sleep, and uh, so I was kind of up all night. And I, I, would, I would love to tell you it was because God was speaking to me. Really, it was I had a really bad nasal drip. And I was coughing all night long, <clears throat> and so. But in that moment, I, I just said, "Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm getting." I just, I was a, a, a very aware of all the things that are stirring in my mind. You know, those things that just stir every day of your life, and it's like they feel like weights in you. If you're completely honest, those things like that you feel left undone, or all this stuff. And so I was sitting there and, and laying. I was on the couch. I was trying to help Randall out by sleeping on the couch. We weren't fighting, but I was sleeping on the couch because I was coughing all night long, and so. Um, but somewhere along the line, I just all of a sudden, it's like there was like five, there were like five or six things all at once that were just weighing me down, and and I just sat there. I was like, oh God, thank you. This is just this is this is this is too much. This is too much, right? Um, and it was just random things. Nothing like in and of itself by itself was really big. Was this all this stuff? And, you know, when you're kind of like tired anyway, and you're laying there, stuff just feels sometimes more magnified. And so I'm sitting there in the moment feeling this. And, and so I kind of said, Lord, it, 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 you have to take it, right? That kind of thing. You've got to take it. And so anyway, so I, was, I fell back asleep and it was good and stuff. So anyway, came this morning and they were in practice and I walked through the door and the Lord just met me in the moment. And so came over and we prayed and, and the Lord just spoke into the moment. He said, and I had this picture and this is the picture I have for me. I think it's for someone out there. He said, Steve, it's like, he said, <coughs> he said, He's getting this picture of a jar, like it looks like a big pickle jar, like one of those Vlasic, is that what they call Vlasic pickle jars, whatever you want. This big pickle jar, and I saw myself trying to open the jar, and I realized I couldn't do it. And in this picture, I just saw myself hand the jar to Dad. I said, Dad, I just can't do it. You've got to open the jar. He just looked at me and smiled and took the jar, and he opened it and handed it back. And I realized what God was speaking in that moment for me. It's like, this is, this is it, that God, there's so many things going on in life that, that really I, you're letting me try really hard to show me that I can't do it so, you'll, so that I'll wake up and recognize that only you can. And so I just say for you all this morning, this was not in the message at all, but I feel like what God was speaking in the moment, that there are some of you this morning who have a pickle jar in life <laughs> that, that you can't open, right? And you're just sitting there like I am, overwhelmed, in the middle of the night, just overwhelmed, and God's just saying, will you just hand me the jar? Because I can turn the jar. So, all right, take that, whatever you want to do with it. All right. Hey, um, last week uh, I was really excited to have Jonathan and Amy Griffith here on a couple of, for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're just some of our best friends, and so I love having friends around because it's just fun to hang out with them. So they were here, and they shared, and it was just really good. But the second thing that I really loved is that you got to meet them. As we said last week, that uh, every week we take up our tithes, we take up our offerings, and you have no idea where that money goes. And so I told you last week that some of that money actually went towards them. And so basically what I said was, basically what we pictured for you is that every week that some of the, 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 there's 10% of our monies that come in every week that we automatically just send outside of our door. And some of that money goes towards Jonathan and Amy, just the ministry that they're doing with the Abraham Project down in Costa Rica. And so I wanted you to meet them because I wanted you to recognize, number one, that they're part of our family and that, that you are already investing into them whether you know it or not. And so with that, I was, just, I was very, very grateful uh, for having them. 
uh, for that reason, so, so we could hang out with them, you could get to know them, and just kind of connect with the people that you're investing into. Because as we take up every week, you know, we take up tithes and offerings. And some of you, you put money in the, you put the money in there because you feel guilty, right? If you're completely honest. And the idea really for that is that this is really a part of our worship. Everything that we have, right? has already been given to us, and he is Lord of those things. And so, so this morning we're about to take up our tithes and offerings, and I simply want you to recognize that, that with those, the, the money that you give back, that our goal and our desire is always to be sending that money back out to like people like the Griffiths. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. And, and you know, talking to our finance team this past weekend, he said, you know, our goal, our goal right now is to, to every year, Increase from 10% to something above so that in time, and you can pray this, this is really a, this is a faith thing for us. We're praying, God, help us make this happen. But our goal in time, and I know you're thinking this sounds crazy, but our goal is to do 50-50. 50 inside and 50 out. That's our goal, right? To get to that place where 50% of, our, of money that's coming in, tithes and offerings every week is immediately going out, right? And so, so y'all pray with, pray with us that that would happen. Uh, that God would open that door for us and that kind of stuff. But I just want you to know that, that with the monies that you give, that we are doing our best to be faithful with them at every turn. And so hopefully that you can, even as we give this morning, that you can give confidently in that knowing that I'm not going and buying a brand new car with your money or anything like that, right? But that we really are taking it here at Vintage and using it for kingdom purposes. So with that, take your... Um, Take the baskets and pass them back down. If you fill out a Connect card, this will be the time to put that uh, card into the basket. And I'll shoot you an email. Actually, I probably won't shoot you an email this week because we're not going to be gone all week. We're actually celebrating our 10th anniversary this week. And so uh, we'll be gone all week. And y'all can, I would say you could pray for us, but you don't have to because this is going to be awesome. So it's just Randall and I. And you can pray for Anna, Catherine, and Sarah. They're going to be with their grandparents this weekend. And. Just pray they don't eat too many donuts and drink too many Sprites, right, Anna Catherine? So, all right. Hey, just real quick, I already said it once. I'll say it again. This is Caleb. He, he, led, he, he was really gracious saying, you don't have to pay me anything for the CD. Buy the CD, okay? If you don't have any money, just ask, ask your neighbor, okay, and they'll give you some money. All right. Um, this morning, <clears throat> I want to talk about the topic of jealousy. Well, the topic of jealousy and how it really fits into this, this call of discipleship that God has placed on our lives. Now, each of us in this room, we are, we are very, very aware of the reality of jealousy. We've all felt it in our lives, right? For those of you like me, like you were in, in, in elementary school, that kid came to school with that really cool Star Wars Trapper Keeper. Remember the Trapper Keeper like that? You know, I came in with my nice spiral notebook that was an ugly green color my mom gave me, and he, Buddy walks in, you know, Johnny Cool with like the... Star Wars, chapter eight keepers, it's like this tool to keep all of your stuff together, right? It had papers in it and pens and pencils and erasers and all this kind of stuff. All the kids are like, what's a trapper keeper? Trapper keeper is the coolest thing in the history of the world, right? And so Johnny walked in and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, I want to, this is not fair, right? He's got a trapper keeper and I'm envious. I'm like, I don't like you. He's like, I don't care. I got a trapper keeper. Who cares, right? So it's like the trapper keeper or maybe like, um, you know, for those of you, even today you have your, you know, like, like, like Josh here, he has this Justin Bieber fever uh, lunchbox. He carries everywhere he goes, right? And everyone is jealous of Josh, right? 
and, and everyone wants to borrow, like I asked one time, hey man, did you borrow your Justin Bieber fever? And he says no, just like that, right? Because everybody loves the Bieber fever thing, right? We're always, we're jealous over it, right? And so, or some of you are a little bit older. Remember that guy who drove up in his really, really cool Trans Am with the 8-track? Like, oh my gosh, this is the most awesome sound system ever. That's so groovy, right? So we all kind of have, just no matter where we come from in our whatever decade, where when we were cool, right? We have those things that, that we were jealous about. They produced envy inside of us. And so all of us understand this context of jealousy in our life. And, and at its root, if we think about it, it literally leads men and women to, to do things that break relationships and breaks friendships and really, if we're honest, breaks themselves as they live in this place of jealousy and, and of envy. It's just a very, very difficult place, right? And so we, we find that even I was just even thinking about how many people who are in prison today because of jealousy and envy. Right, an action that they've done, actually acting out. Basically, the only difference between them and you is they actually have the guts to act out on their jealousy and envy, and you didn't, right? If we're completely honest. So jealousy and envy just has this great power. And biblically speaking, we, we see it viewed in a, in a negative light in several different places. We see specifically in Romans and in 2 Corinthians, it's put on par in this list. Well, I'll just read it off with, with drunkenness, with, with gossip, with orgies, with slander, sexual immorality, and with arrogance, right? We, this, this jealousy has this really, this has this, this very, it's, it's really bad, right? It's powerful in, in nature. We see it in Scripture. We see the, the Pharisees who follow Jesus around. And what do they do? They get really angry. Why? Because they're jealous of the unbelievable crowds that are following Jesus. And they literally end up killing him. And we see even um, Joseph's brothers in the Old Testament. They, he, Joseph comes and shares this great dream that he has. That was a big no-no, right? And he shares this dream with them and kind of probably in pride and a level of arrogance. And, and, they, and they're jealous and they're envious. Well, they throw him down a well. And they say, hey, we're gonna, this is our slave, right? We're going to sell him into slavery. All birthed out of this jealousy and envy in their hearts. And we see even the, the first murder in all of Scripture. Cain and Abel was birthed out of jealousy between one brother and another. We see that jealousy obviously has a very negative connotation in the li- in, in just in life and specifically here in Scripture. But what we have to recognize is that there are different levels and even different uh, ways to define jealousy. And, I, and, and there has to be because in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, it says this, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Read that again. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Exodus 25 says, 21st 5 says, You shall not bow down and worship an idol, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And so what we get at here is this, that there's obviously a, there is obviously a negative connotation to jealousy. And we all understand that we've experienced it before in our own lives. But as we come to define it, there's also a, a different variation of the word jealousy that has maybe a, just has a, a, diff, a different meaning for us. And that literally describes and defines for us who God is and how he relates to us, his people. So basically what we're getting at is this. When you take the word jealous, it's one word, but it has lots of different meanings. It's kind of like the word love. Love in, love in the Greek, it has 
It can be expressed in four different ways. That's why you can say, I love my wife, and man, I love that cheeseburger, right? There's these different variations, different levels of love. We use the same word in English, but they have different words in the Greek. And so when we get to the word jealous here, it's that same type thing. There's a word jealous. It's a negative connotation. But there's also a word jealous that has a positive connotation in Scripture. And that, that word here, it, so I can find it. I just lost myself here, right? It's the equivalent of the word zeal or the word devotion or righteous anger. Hear that. So, so he says, God says, I'm a jealous God. It means that he is zealous, right? He's filled, he's filled with zeal for his children. Right? He's filled with devotion. He's filled with devotion in our relationship. And there's a righteous anger that wells up inside of him when something comes that separates or tries to separate us from him. And so we get it this morning is that there is obviously a, 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 a true sense of the word jealous being negative in its connotation. But we also have a positive connotation because it literally is the name that defines God. That when you get to heaven and you bow before him, you say, oh, I worship you jealous. I worship you jealous for you are a jealous God. And, if we're, and we have to begin to get an understanding of what this means because this literally defines for us God's love for us and how he relates to us. So let's begin by telling a couple stories that maybe kind of put it into perspective for maybe your own personal experience in life. And I'll start with the, <clears throat> this relationship between husband and wives. So guys, I'm going to talk to you, right? So let's pretend after this amazing sermon this morning that... That's a joke, guys. Come on. Seriously. So after this morning service, right, we're here doing our thing, and then you leave. And you had this great, profound moment, right? The Lord's been moving in your life, and you're like, wow, this is really cool. I understand the difference between jealous and jealousy, all this kind of stuff, right? It's kind of cool. And you sit down across from your wife, who's sitting in a booth. <clears throat> and you're talking, talking, talking. And all of a sudden, this guy walks by and obviously begins to flirt with her in your presence, and then she totally just like forgets about you and begins to flirt with this guy as walks by is like, hey, what's up, baby? Hey, right? And your first response is, what the is going on here? Right? You all of a sudden you have, you have, if you were any kind of real man, you have some sort of emotion that rises up inside of you, don't you? Right? So then the dude comes back by before you have a chance to do or say anything. He jumps into the booth with her, grabs a hold of her, and just begins to have this passioned embrace with her, right? And you have a response. You get up, you pick him up, and you throw him out, and you begin to yell at him as you punch him, right? That's your first initial response inside of you. What I'm telling you is, is that is a godly jealousy. Because you are zealous for your wife. You have a devotion with her that no one else is allowed to intervene and get in the way of. She belongs to you and you belong to her. That's what a marriage covenant is all about. You belong to one another. So when someone tries to come in and finagle his, his way in and separate the two of you, you have a response of jealousy. 
this righteous anger, this zeal to step in the way and remove him. Right? That is righteous jealousy. Now, another picture is a, picture, is a story that I heard, and this is a picture of, uh, of parents and how you relate to your children as being zealous over them and being jealous for your child's safety and protecting them. This is a true story. I was watching it one night. Uh, I don't know what channel it was on, but uh, there's this <coughs> story came on, and the uh, news anchor is like, and today in such and such town, a sexual predator was subdued uh, and taken to jail at the bus stop. I'm like, okay, kind of reeling me in here. And Missy said, so t- um, at 3 o'clock this afternoon, uh, this, second, year, two, this uh, second grade girl was getting off the school bus, and off to the right was the sexual predator sitting in his car. And when the bus stopped, he got out of his car acting like a, like a, like a family member, went over, grabbed her hand, began walking back to the car. But, unbeknownst to him, her father and uncle were in the other side of the street waiting to pick her up also, and the father and uncle subdued him until the police arrived. And then they showed a picture of the sexual predator. And let me just say this. I thought he was Elephant Man. He had had the snot beaten out of him in a very heavy way, right? And I realized when they subdued him, they subdued him with force. And listen, when I watched this, something, something rose up inside of me. I began to laugh. I mean, it was terrible. It's a terrible story, right? But I began to laugh. It's like, oh, you know, type this like this righteous, like, yeah, right? This welling up inside of me, you know, and, and this is what I'm getting at, that this idea of this jealousy for the protection of our children, that nothing will stand in the way of that. That if something happens to them with everything in me, I'm going to fight for and defend them. Why? Because they belong to me and I've given myself to them in true affection and love. They own part of my heart. Why? Because I gave it to them before they were even born. And so when Jesus, when God comes here in Exodus and says, listen, I, my name is Jealous. And I am a jealous God. And he says, comes, he says, listen, you, you shall, you do not bow down and worship an idol. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who does not like anything to intervene, to, intervene to, to come between us in this covenant relationship that we have together. The first thing I want to say about it is this. God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God who relates to us as a jealous lover. This is the idea pictured in Exodus 34:14, where he comes and says, listen, my name is Jealous. And he goes on in Exodus 20 and says, don't bow down and worship anything else. Why? Because the worship of some other God is me showing affection, showing love to someone other than who God is. And in that, it's like, it's like me literally making out on this bench with someone who's not my wife. And God is saying, when I see that something rises up inside of me and I get jealous because I love you and our covenant relationship that we have together. This idea of of never cheating on him, right? By worshiping him with our affection and not giving it to another. John Piper, he says it this way. The demand of the covenant, 
this relationship that we're in with God that we most closely understand the, co- the covenant we make in marriage. The demand of the covenant is for single-minded worship of God alone. And the image created in our mind by the word jealous is the picture of a lover or a husband who gets angry when someone else competes for the heart of his wife or when her heart goes away after other lovers. We see Paul painting this same picture of of him naming this jealousy in the Corinthians when he says this, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you, talking to the church there in Corinth, I promised all of you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. God is a jealous God. Why? Because we have entered, those who call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, we have said that what we've committed to is a covenant relationship with Him, like the covenant we make in marriage, saying, I will forsake all others and be true only to you as long as we both shall live. I am yours and you are mine till eternity. And God looks down and says, when I see this connection, when I see this connection you make with something else other than me, your affections going to another lover, it rises up inside of me a jealousy, this righteous anger, as I recognize our devotion to one another is being split, and I'm not okay with that. Listen, God is a jealous lover who does not stand for others competing for the affection of those that he is in relationship with. Why does he hate sin so much? Because it separates us from him. Think about what Jesus said to the ones who, who woo us away or who steal us away, his children. He says this. He, goes, he says, it would be better if they tie a massive millstone around their neck and be cast into the utter depths of the sea than to make and cause one of my little ones, my children, my lover, to stumble. And to fall into sin, to be wooed away by another lover. Listen, do you hear that? That's pretty, pretty overwhelming. If I, you know, it's like saying, like, literally Jesus sitting here today saying, listen, hey, if, if you cause someone to stumble, we're just going to go ahead and just go ahead and put a car and tie it, just kind of tie like this chain to it. And we're going to put the other side around your neck. I'm just going to go ahead and throw you in the, right there at the dam at, at Lake Elatuna, okay? Because that's how grievous it is to me. You've got to put weight behind the words here. Put the weight behind the words of his jealousy and understanding his passionate love for his wife, his passionate love for his children. This is, this is deep language. It's the heart of God for us. He is a jealous God, a jealous lover. Not the negative jealousy over here of envious, but jealous of something coming between the one that he loves. Second thing we see is this love is what gives birth to jealousy. Love is the very thing that gives birth to jealousy. We're not going to be jealous over someone that I don't really care about, right? 
True love gives birth to jealousy. We see this pictured in Song of, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. And just pulling up this one verse, it says this. The woman, speaking to the man, says, Place me, place me like a seal over your heart. We sang it this morning and you don't relent. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love, love is as strong as death. And it's jealousy, love's jealousy is unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. True biblical jealousy, this zeal, this devotion, this passion for the one that we love, it's, it's, it's birthed. It's birthed out of love. God's jealousy is birthed out of his love for us. And we, and we get here in this picture, what she's coming and saying is this seal basically was like a... It was either something like gold or diamonds. And basically it was something that placed over the heart. Or it could have even been a tattoo or it could have been a, even like a, a piercing that was part of the body. Basically that represented that this person belonged to another. And she's coming and saying, listen, set me as a seal, this seal over your heart, as a tattoo on you, like a piercing on you, so that everyone else will know that I belong to you and that you belong to me. This is the nature of that seal. She's saying, listen, put this seal on you so that everyone will know that we're madly in love with one another and we belong to one another. Please do this. Put me as a seal on your heart, like a seal on your arm. For my love for you is as strong as death. That's strong, right? Nothing can stand against death, right? Death is always going to win. Why? Because everybody dies. That's what it's getting at there. Coming and talking about this nature, simplifying the, the, the wearer's obligation to be faithful. The person who's wearing this is faithful to the one that they have wed. See, kind of, it's just like the wedding band that you're wearing. You should all kind of touch this right now if you're married or have a ring on. Just kind of take this, right? We talk in weddings and say, hey, this, the, we're, not gonna, we're gonna share these rings with one another, right? These rings represent the type of love that the father, uh, me, the father has for his bride and that it has no beginning. And that it has no end, right? This is the nature of love. He's expressing this. We give our rings to one another in marriage. Saying, this is the type of love that I commit to you, Randall. That it has no beginning and that it has no end for richer and for poorer and sickness and in health and forsaking all others. I'm committed to you and I'm wearing this so that every single hot girl in the world who thinks that I'm hot will recognize I'm off the market by God. And this lover is doing this, saying the same thing. Set me as a seal so that everyone will know that I belong to you and that you belong to me. This is this type of love that we're talking about here. Now, number three. We must be a jealous people. We must be a jealous people. It says, jealous is as unyielding as the grave. Like we just said, the, the grave is inevitable, isn't it? It's going to happen. And he's, she's saying right here, it's like, listen, our love, jealousy, 
My love, excuse my jealousy, birth out of love, it's unyielding. It's going to crop up. If anything tries to come between us, jealousy is going to be birth. It's going to arise inside of me. And what we're getting at here is this. If there really is a love for Jesus in our heart, the real authentic Jesus love, like the disciple coming and saying, forsaking all others, God, I'm faithful to you as long as we both shall live. And that's for eternity, God. So we come to that place and when something, whatever it may be, tries to separate you and come in between you in this relationship with God, jealousy arises not only in the heart of God, but it arises in your heart. Does it? Does it? When's the last time that jealousy arose in your heart when something was trying to woo you away from your relationship with Jesus? This is what we're getting at here. The Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner, he, he, said, he calls this kind of jealousy, he says, it's a, a proper intolerance of disruptive intrusion. I'll say that again. Jealousy is a proper intolerance of disruptive intrusion. He notes that it's actually a mark of true love. We all should have jealousy in our heart regarding our love and our relationship with Jesus, hating anything and everything that might come between him and us. Remember Jesus said, if you're my disciple, you must hate your father and your mother, your brother and your sister, and yes, even your spouse, and yes, even your own life. If you're going to follow me, and this is the nature of jealousy, that nothing, no matter what it is, stands in the way. I never forget, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I said, what's the, what's the one thing you've learned in your relationship with your wife? You've been married for about a year. He said, oh, man, do not get in the way of God's time with my wife. He said, man, that's the, best, that's the most important part of her day, and I don't want to dare get in the way of God spending time with my wife because he is jealous over her. He means like I turn off cell phones and I move the kid out of the way and I leave the house most of the time, right? So she can have her time. I'm like, oh, that's so rich. That's so rich that nothing gets in the way of our relationship to Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, the great orator and pastor, once said this. Whenever love absorbs the heart, basically whenever, like a sponge absorbing water, right? whenever love, love absorbs the heart fully and completely, jealousy will guard the object of affection. Only let a provocation occur. Something of jealousy is sure to appear. Your love to Christ especially lacks the genuine stamp if it is never aroused to jealousy by the intended evil of foes and the faithlessness of professed friends of our Lord. Many Christians nowadays have a kind of love which is too fond of ease and too full of compromise to kindle any jealousy in their breasts or in their heart. We must become a jealous people. Why? Because God is a jealous God. Of what? Of our relationship with Him. So three things I want to leave you with. Number one, again, I'll say it again. God is jealous over you. you got, I prayed this morning, Graham, and I prayed, God, just awaken revelation in our hearts of your jealousy over us. You can't just go, hocus pocus, woo, I, got you. I understand it's jealousy, right? No, it's something you have to, to pray to. God, awaken, awaken my heart to understand your jealousy. We sing it, He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. Right? Whatever the rest of it goes. 
Love's like a hurricane, right? He won't relent until he has it all. My heart is yours. God is jealous over you because it is his name. It defines who he is in relationship with you. And it means that he won't stop moving in your lives. He won't stop growing you into his image. He won't stop wooing you away from sin, even when you were lost in sin. Let me say this to all of you out there who maybe you're living in sin and know you shouldn't be. God is completely content leaving you in your misery. Because your misery is a gift from him to you to hopefully in time make, him t- make you turn back to him. Because he's hoping you'll get so miserable in your sin that you will turn back to him and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Father, forgive me. I've squandered your stuff on on wasteful things, on prostitutes and on, on things that never satisfy. Please forgive me. Man, read the Old Testament. What does God do? Again and again, he disciplines his children, lets them live in misery, so they'll turn back to him. Why does it's an awesome thing that he does that? Why? Because in your misery he knows that you will turn back. Hopefully you will turn back to him and say, God, I'm sorry. Now I'm giving you everything in my life. It's an awesome and awful thing. Second thing. Excuse me. Yeah, second thing. Are we there yet? Yeah. This is the context of our discipleship relationship. This is the context. You listen, if you're a Christian, you're being discipled by Jesus, growing into his image. And the nature of that relationship is one of jealousy. Right? It is the nature of your discipleship relationship with him that he loves you that much to not want anything or to allow anything to jump onto your booth and begin to manhandle you. To come and steal you away at the bus stop. He says, No, I'm a jealous God, and I will poison. If you read in Scripture, go read it in Numbers several times. It says, I pour out my wrath on those who oppose me and oppose and come and woo you away in this relationship. That's, that's the car around the neck with the chain thrown into the dam over there at Lake Alatuna. Do you know him this way? The third thing we have to recognize is this. Excuse me, the third thing is your homework. Is this. This week I want you in your life, every moment of the day, I want you to sit back and I want you to be aware of your life. And I want you to allow God to take, um, oh, what do you do when you go to a store and you're stocking shelves? Uh, uh, inventory, thank you. That's what you're supposed to do this week. Checking out what's on the aisle there at the grocery store in your heart and mind. Seeing what's there, taking inventory of your life. And saying, God, what's going on? What is wooing me away that I'm allowing to sit on my bench here? God, what, am I, what is coming after me to steal me away? God, open my eyes. I want you this week, I want you to, to name it. I want you to write it down. I want you to talk to Jesus about it. <clears throat> and I want you to do the, this uh, Song of Songs 8-6 things. I want you to come. And I want you to reaffirm that seal on your own heart that he belongs to you. And reaffirm this commitment that you belong to him. This week. Why? Because he's a jealous God. And he will not stop pursuing you. It is his name. And he'll let you live in misery as long as you want to until you will return to him and give everything back to him. Why? Because he's that zealous over you.
Because he wants all of you. Why? Because that's the relationship you have with him. Because when you give, it's just that whole thing. We've been singing, um, Caleb, in this morning, this idea that we have everything because he first gave it. We can love. Why? Because he first fully and wholeheartedly loved us. We die. Why? We die to self. Why? Because he fully died to himself first. Everything's a simple response to his covenant relationship to us. All right, let's pray. Father, Father, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, this morning as we, as we end our time in worship, Father, we recognize that you are a jealous God. Lord, I'm asking even now, right now, in this moment, that you begin to speak the weight of that. To speak the weight of that, God, in the quiet of this moment. I'm asking Jesus that the weight of your kabod, your glory, your presence, would weigh us down to recognize your fullness. Come, Jesus. Father, we pray this in your name. Amen.